Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Footballer Season 2, Episode 20. This week I am joined by the usual crew, the foot coach, pro FIFA coach, right foot, pro trader, and footstock legend Matt Lamborn. This episode was recorded Friday just after content drop. This week we were hit with a load of new content just before foot Season 3, and we're going to break it all down for you. And the new Winter Wildcards promo, which is shaping up to be one of the best promos, not only of the year, but possibly maybe one of the best we've ever seen. Later on in the podcast, we're going to go through our gameplay segment and we're going to talk about the recent changes that were made to matchmaking that should give everyone a better experience in foot. We're also going to talk about how to properly defend kickoffs and concede fewer kickoff goals. At the end of the show, we're going to go through our community questions and hot takes. As always, huge thanks to all of our Footballers Premier sponsors. It really does mean a lot to us. It helps us keep things going on the back end, and it really does a lot for us because there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in the podcast productions. If you're not a Footballers Premier sponsor and you want to be part of the monthly giveaways and support the podcast, you can do so by joining the Discord. That link is in the show notes. And if you want to sponsor the podcast, there's a channel in the Discord, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Let's get into the show. Steve, the foot coach, welcome back. Quite a week we just had this week. How are you doing this week? I'm okay. A little bit traumatized, but I'm sure I'll survive. Had a fun night completing objectives. Did the uh, Junior Messiahs card to get the winter wildcard swap as well. So it's been busy. I'm, uh, I'm keyed in, mate. Yeah, raring to go. Very nice. Paul? Are you surviving this this latest market swath we just went through? Yeah, it's it's it seems to happen every week now. We have we have something that kills cards that are impacts, and you know it's just it's just standard now, isn't it? Are you are you playing FIFA right now? No. <laughs> why do you look like you're playing FIFA? <laughs> He's got that look on his face. Because. Why does why does it sound like there's a controller moving? It's not moving. I'm rubber banding. <laughs> I'm just laughing at this guy. He scored two goals. I've scored one. We're in swaps, but I'm not giving it because I scored first. So I'm just abandoning it. He's not having it. No chances he having this game. Never give in. 
No. Toxic as fuck. He didn't quit first, Matt. Mean old man. Matt, back again. How are you? I'm doing all right. I, I'm plotting away. I'm scheming on ways to complete icon swaps as efficiently as possible. Uh, I've managed to do two with one sort of team. Every divisi with 11 first own players. So I'm going to get two tokens and, and one sitting for that. And then I think I can also do the um, the silver squad battle objectives and get um, the uh, the mega pack, is it, for uh, the silver beast that pops up occasionally in objectives. So mm. Mr. Efficiency this week. You know, call me uh, call me German if you like. Well, yeah, that, that brings us nicely into our first segment today with Icon Swaps 1, finally here. We've been talking about it. A lot of people have been asking about it. I was beginning to wonder if we were even going to get Icon Swaps this year. Um, turns out we are, and there is a possibility to knock out three swaps and squad battles for the price of one. Uh, Paul, can you take us through that method? Yeah, I think you can do it with, if you have a first on at silver, Argentinian, um, I think you can get three tokens by doing that. Um, I think that's a legend. Silver, Argentinian, first owner? Yeah, or Brazilian, Brazilian, Argent, uh, Brazilian silver, first owner. So yeah, that's three tokens. That's a nice... What about... Saves you having to play squad battles. What about Eredivisie? battles games. I don't think there's enough um, Argentinians or Brazilians in that league that are silver, or that are any... Any type of card, never mind, just um, silver. So, no, I don't think you can do four in one go. Mm. Well, three is better than one, that's for sure. What are we thinking about Icon Swaps 1? Um, going through the, I guess, the packs or the icons or the icon packs that you can receive, where would you think the best value would be, Matt? It, it basically depends on where your club's at right now. If you're... On a budget, let's say you're not a big trader and you certainly don't spend a lot of money on packs, then going for one of the either the cheaper icons or holding out until the new year to get one of the high end ones could be a good shout. I've got my eye on Overmars potentially, as I quite like the fact that it would be a very direct winger with a five star weak foot. It kind of suits my style of play over skills, if you like. I prefer that the five star weak foot over that every time. It just suits the way I play. But also, if you prefer a bit of a gamble you might want to take some of those uh, 85 times 10 I think that is in there or, or some of the ones that offer up a lot of decent packs maybe save them for team of the year or a promo that comes up in between and and try your luck there which is certainly going to be more appealing as it requires less tokens to get done so it just depends on where you're at with your club really yeah Steve where do you stand with icon swaps what's your plan going forward I've got a very firm plan and one that I shan't deviate from and there's, for me, there's there's only one end game card there. There's only one card that's not going to get overtaken by the cycle really at any point in the game, even when team of the season comes out. And I know from experience that that is Zambrotta because I used him till very, very late in the game last year. He's, he's great at right back, which is his chosen position, but I played him at centre back, um, obviously changed on the in-game game plans. And yeah, it's, it's an end game centre back. So 14 tokens, that's where my focus will be. And anything beyond that is a bonus for me, really. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm just going to do the um, 83 
plus times 25, 82, and 81s, and I'm going to call it a day for icon swaps. Just going to play the casino slot machine. I know, Matt, you can appreciate that. Absolutely. Keeping with the content section, we did get a new promo today. They just keep on coming. We now have winter wild cards, which also has swaps and more packs to flood the market. Paul, when you saw the plethora of packs that you can get, I mean, massive packs with high rated cards from these winter wildcard swaps. What's your take on this? Is this going to just further dilute the market with high rated cards? I think it's good. It gives people more fodder. People are doing these, you know, we just spoke about the swaps there. People are doing these um, 81 times 25, 83 times 25. Uh, so people can do cards like Vinny, which is a really expensive card. So it's, you know, people love packs. And this just feeds straight into that. So people are going to be collecting these tokens so that they can open packs or get an icon home and away kit. Yeah. Steve, what's your take on having icon swap tokens and winter wildcard tokens during the same time period? I don't mind it. Uh, people often complain that there's not enough to grind for. And I think it certainly gives us that, doesn't it? It solves that problem. There's probably too much to grind at the minute, if anything. So don't think we can have any complaints there. I'm a little bit frustrated that we can't see the actual details of the cards that are in the wildcard swaps. There's one there which, based on the, the gold version of it, Patson Dacker, the Leicester City striker, looks really tantalising. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm fantasising over what the stats will be on that card. But yeah, it's, we're, we're going to talk about the market a bit more in detail later on. And... I think that one of the real advantages of having these these swaps tokens and, and all these players that are available is that it opens up the option of, of building a pretty decent untradeable team. And with the way that the market is this year, I think that it's it's a very sensible approach to have a decent untradeable team that you can always fall back on. Yeah, that yeah, makes a lot of sense. The amount of, of content we now have in the game, and we're going to be having a new season coming up in you know roughly three days at the time you're listening to this podcast, there's plenty of stuff to do on the game, um, which is great because personally, I've kind of been out of touch with the game only because I've just kind of needed a break, which is important every now and then to get some perspective and so you don't get burnt out. So I'm definitely coming back full force in season three. Tell the people what you've been doing, Anna. Come on, fess up. What? I've been busy. Busy doing what? I'll just leave it there. Well, see. What was it the wife said? You think you're a farmer time. now? Well. We're not, we're not, remember, we learned our lesson. We don't, we don't have these conversations because the wife occasionally listens. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to leave that one lay where it's at. But I've been sucked into farming simulator and I've convinced myself <laughs> that I'm a farmer. Tragic. And it's really satisfying. Don't ask me why. It's on, on the surface of it, it looks boring. Tragic. I don't know what it is about it, but I fucking love it. I think we need to send Hunter the, uh, the Wurzels Combine Harvester song. He needs to get an idea of what it's like to be in the southwest of England, working working the land for a living. That and a flagon of zoider. Exactly. Speaking another language. But yeah, I do. I'm going to have to leave the farm eventually, and I will come season three. Can I just follow up on what Steve had said there? Steve made a really good point about having an, an untradeable team, and that is the way this year. I've been doing it myself. I've got a mostly untradeable team, buying a few cards when I want to play you know, that are tradable, that I'd like to use, and then getting back out of them as soon as I can when I'm not playing. Keeping cards for weeks and weeks and weeks is just it's just not the move in this, in this market. It just sucks your coins away. So usually 
I'm a fan of staying away from SBCs and objectives, but I think if they're cheap enough, they will pay for themselves. It's better than losing 70, 100, 200k on a card that you keep in your team for three weeks. Yeah. And before we leave the topic of these, um, these wildcard tokens, have you guys had a chance to look at the list of the possible things you can get from these tokens so that we can let people know how important they are to obtain? Personally, I'm really excited about changing in five winter wildcard swaps for the Icon Home and Away kits. That's a fucking bargain right there. But on a serious note, you can also change in five and get an ultimate pack, which is really good value. Essentially, it's free for playing the game. Again, I don't know if I'm going to grind all of these. just depends on how difficult they make it and how much time it takes, but plenty to do on the game. Steve, where do you see yourself putting your winter wildcard swaps? Well, there's um, a Leicester City player there called Patson Dacker. And if you'd been listening, you'd know that I've already spoken about him at quite some length. Uh, so, yeah, that's for 12 swaps. <laughs> um, it's important to mention, actually, that the, the highest reward is for 15 cards. And that's going to get you uh, a 10 times player pack of 85 plus. So, as I say, that's, that's for 15 cards. And if you actually look at the database, You'll see tokens, right? Tokens, yeah, absolutely. If you uh, if you look at the database, you can see how many cards are available, and there are actually twenty four. So it really is quite achievable, and you don't necessarily have to get by any means all of them. You know, you can you can shed nine and still be able to get that uh, that top reward. So definitely pay attention to them, and if they're easy, if they're achievable, go get them. So do we think there's there's a possibility that they could add future swaps for these if people were saving them, or do you think it's going to stay 15 as the max? No, I would think it'd be the similar principle to the icon swaps where you could say, for instance, if you got all 24, you could get the 85 plus times 10. You could get the winter wildcard player, Christian Gunter, and I don't know, something else, a pen maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to make sure you guys are checking in daily. With these winter wild cards, there's a lot of stuff coming out every day. There's going to be new content, it seems, with these tokens and these swaps. So if you want to keep up with it all and make sure you didn't miss anything, you can visit our friends at fifauteam.com. You can get everything you need to know right on their page. Or you can simply click the link in the show notes. fifauteam.com. Matt, where do you see yourself cashing in these winter wild cards? I'm genuinely undecided at this point, but I have a... A strange predicament in this year's game where I can honestly say hand on heart I have not packed anything good this year and I know that sounds like an exaggeration I haven't packed a single card that can get in my first 11 whatsoever I've had to either grind objectives or go out and, and trade to get everything that I'm, I'm playing with at the moment so the idea of getting lots of potentially high value packs to try and crack that kind of appeals, but then if that didn't go wrong, I would feel like I've really wasted my, my time. So am I better going for that that sure guarantee of a, of a half-decent player? But yeah, I'm I'm struggling to get that sort of team-defining player in that you can kind of build around. It just hasn't happened for me yet, so I have to sort of mull over that option quite significantly between Icon Swaps and Winter Wildcard, if I'm honest with you. It's, it's a bind that I'm in right now. Mm. I can appreciate that. Um, but the one thing that I will say is if you were to do 
let's say 15 of these winter wildcard swaps for the 85 plus times 10 player pack. You could still grab a few more, get a rare players pack. You can do an 81 to 89 times 10 player pack. And you also have the packs from Icon Swap. So this is a good chance to just load up on fodder for what I'm sure is coming is some really good SBCs coming into, you know, into Christmas, New Year's, Team of the Year's around the corner, more promos. Paul, what do you think? Yeah, I think over this next few weeks, you want your club to be stacked full of fodder because by the sounds of it, we're just going to, as you said, going to get loads of SBCs and they're just going to suck all those cards straight back out of your accounts with SBCs that we all want to do. Um, I'm really excited about it, actually. It's first time in a while I've been really hyped about a promo. It seems, you know, fingers crossed, it's going to be a good one. You hide it very well when you're hyped about something, Paul. It's because he's playing FIFA. Yeah, well, you know, you, um, you can't get overhyped because, uh-huh. you know, if you get overhyped, you've got a long way to come down. Mm. You know, I've made that mistake before. I got really, really hyped and then the EA comes with a swift kick to the balls. Yeah. Wise words. That's a, that's a great transition, though, because we need to talk about the massive kick they gave to the balls of this foot market here recently. I'm just going to go over a quick timeline. For those of you who aren't up to speed with what's been going on with this last promo, the, the versus fire versus ice, in my experience, I've been following foot since 2010, or FIFA since 2010, foot since 2012. The worst experience with the market and the management of the mistakes. Um, so first, they advertised the promo with skill moves, weak foot upgrades. We talked about that last week, which wasn't the case. That was very minimal players upgraded. The fire players were temporarily pulled after they were released in packs, put back in. Then the players that were released from the ice team got removed early. Now, Steve, take me through what happened. This was, uh, today's Friday. We're recording this Friday evening in the U.S., but take us through what happened yesterday, Thursday, when these cards got pulled out of packs for over an hour. Well, yeah, it was for about 90, 90 minutes in total. Um, to cut a long story short, basically, people were packing the gold versions of cards when they should have been packing the ice version of cards, which on the surface of things doesn't sound like a massive problem. But what you've got to factor in there is that there was, I think it was a 2.7%, don't quote me, I think it was 2.7% chance of packing one of these ice cards. It's close to that, um, yeah. which, which is, you know, relatively small. Now, obviously, when you compare and contrast to that, to the chances of, of packing, say, a 79-rated Adama Traore or an 83-rated Gabriel Jesus, much easier to pack those cards. So what was happening was that people were, packing these cards in the thousands. Um, And EA obviously had to do something to address it. And they kind of set a precedent previously by saying that they would honour the agreement that they would replace the gold versions with the the relevant versions. So in this case, the ice versions. And it's going to leave us with with a bit of a mess, really. It's, It's going to add an enormous amount of goods to the market that just shouldn't be there. To give you a rough idea, I, I, I did a 
vague calculation of this and you know i'm not saying that this is a, a realistic figure we, we could only guess but if we, if we took for sake of example the figure of saying that 50,000 gabriel jesus's were packed during those 90 minutes that would add goods to the market that would be valued currently at 40 billion coins 40 billion coins it's insane yeah, and for those who aren't aware of the of how this works, for whether you're a new listener, you're new to foot, when a card has a special item, the gold card is taken out of packs and it is replaced by the special item, and the special item has a much lower chance of being pulled. They do this to to regulate how many of these cards get pushed to hold their value. And this is why Steve is saying it's significant because they did not want this many cards on the market, especially the top card like Gabriel Jesus, who was going for over a million. Currently, he's about 850-ish on PlayStation. Probably continue to fall. Um, What does this do, though? I mean, what does this do for the market going forward? It's going to tank it, isn't it? Because these cards are just going to become worthless. And when they become worthless, it drags down the value of, of all other cards. Let's say, for instance, the Gabriel Jesus card. If if that card is available on the market for say I don't know let's try and be vaguely realistic and say five six hundred thousand coins, then people are going to go for that rather than other more expensive options, and it just has a knock on effect across the board. Obviously, we're not just talking about Gabriel Jesus, are we? We're talking about Joe Gomez, um, Federico Valverde, every card that's in the in the freeze promo Triore. So it's going to affect every position across the board. And we're just going to have this massive influx of of cards that that should not be there. And I, I think that people are kind of sleepwalking through it at the moment because it hasn't impacted the market yet, and it won't do until these cards actually start hitting people's clubs. And I think that people need to be quite careful about it. I've I've got the views of, of a few traders that I know, and to a man, they have all said that we could be looking at one of the most significant market crashes in the entirety of Ultimate Team history. And when it comes, it will happen overnight and people will wake up and suddenly find that, you know, a few hundred thousand has been wiped off the face of their their Mbappe or, you know, their, their clubs will just lose value massively. And the advice that all of them gave, and I would certainly go along with it, is to liquidate your club as quickly as you can because you don't know when that bell is going to ring. And when it does, it's it's going to devastate the market. Mm. Paul, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I think we've got a huge supply of these, these cards coming to the market. You know, I think when it does happen, cards that, you know, substitute goods, so Premier League, left wings, are going to absolutely just get destroyed because of Rashford. Premier League strikers are going to get absolutely murdered because of Jesus and those type of of cards. And the majority of the market is going to take a have it, you know, be impacted negatively. I think, you know, the the higher end stuff, your icons that are really expensive, will probably, as has happened throughout the year, they'll probably not hold. They'll probably drop a little bit, but. It's gonna be, it's gonna be huge, and I think because we're in a sort of Twitter bubble, we're seeing all this. The majority of the player base 
has absolutely zero idea that this has happened. Yeah. And that's why these cards are still holding the value because the majority of the player base have just got no idea that this has happened. So when their Gabriel Jesus is 300k, they're going to be like, what the, what's, what's happened? Um, but I don't know when they're going to, when they're going to sort this out because they still had sorted the ones out from Monday when people were packing the wrong versions of the, of the versus cards, but it's, it's not good, is it? Because I was seeing yesterday, people were just smashing packs with coins, trying to pack these gold cards. People were doing upgrades, marking matches. They were doing whatever they could. I even spent 350,000 coins on packs. I didn't pack any of those cards, but I were trying. And a lot of people did. I saw some people pack Jesus, Valverde and Rashford from their icon swap packs. So they've got three brand new cards coming into their team. Once this is sorted out, they'll, you know, be good in their team for a good while. It's going to be, it's going to be mad. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I, I, I don't personally don't think it's going to be the, the biggest market crash we've ever seen, but um, maybe that's just wishful thinking. Hmm. Yeah, I, as you guys were talking, I was listening. I was just looking at these cards and comparing them. And it's like you said, a lot of the the foot community that don't live on Twitter and don't listen to podcasts week in week out, this is going to hit them as a surprise if it does indeed say what you know. If if it does happen the way Steve says it's going to happen, because a lot of these freeze cards are still selling for more than the fire cards. But I think a lot of that is also due to certain stat upgrades where they prefer shooting over passing, etc. But I mean, economically, on a on a very fundamental level, it makes sense. Once these cards get flooded back into people's accounts, they're going to sell the other ones. People are going to buy them for cheaper. It's going to drive certain cards down, which is going to have the knock on effect. I, I see that side of it. Um, but personally, I just feel like I'm I'm somewhat becoming numb to this type of activity because it's happening on such a frequent basis, especially this year. The market has been in shambles since day one. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there, Hunter. I mean, we can't deny how shambolically EA have sort of managed content release. In it's been a fucking disgrace, man. In, in this year's game. But I'm not on panic stations like some of the traders that, Steve's mentioning, although I am liquidating my club because this is the time of year to do it anyway. And that's the one saving grace of this particular fuck up is the market's about to plummet anyway. It already is plummeting. People are getting ready for team of the year. Icon swaps are out. So value all over the market is is decreasing anyway. So if they'd done this a month or two ago, people would have every right to kick up a, a massive stink about it. And, and they should do anyway. But I think there's this small redeeming factor that this has happened at a time where the market's in a massive decline anyway, and it's going to further decline. People are panic selling, preparing for team of the year and whatever big Christmas promos are coming out. So that's the one good thing. And if EA see that the market is going in a direction they don't like, they can correct it by putting up an SBC that requires you to submit fire and ice cards to correct the amount of uh, influx of cards that are going into the database to try and rescue some of their value a little bit and take the supply off the market. 
Whether they will do or not is another thing, but it's one thing that they could do. But if they did that, wouldn't that just put other cards on the market? I.e. the SBC card that you're submitting these well, be on nice trade cards in club, won't it? So won't won't add to the to the problem within the market per se, and it okay. gets rid of all the massive supply that is we we presume is going to enter into the game into the near future when they correct their mistake. It's one thing that they could do to try and combat it, but again, whether they do it or not hmm. is another thing. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation because this one is is really hard to manage because. They did it on rewards day of all days. You know, everybody was just freshly loaded up with rivals rewards and tons and tons of packs were opened. And you know, people waited until noon just in case we got content. And for those who did realize it, I mean, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, on on streams, just buying gold packs out of the store, just spamming these packs, spending loads on FIFA points, trying to get some of these cards. Some of them didn't pack any of them, unfortunately, but I don't know. I, I, I really am just kind of like up in the air on this one. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm just hoping they can find a way to stabilize the market. But given the, the level of incompetence that they have shown basically all year in managing this game, I'm, my hopes aren't high. So I'm, I'm going to prepare for the worst and, and try to save up as many coins as I can just to be on the safe side. But as you said, Matt, I probably would be doing that anyway. I think one thing we can say with certainty is that when these cards do start hitting people's clubs, we're going to see a massive panic. So, absolutely, at, at you will best, initially. At best, there is going to be massive panic selling, which is another good reason to get yourselves liquid as quickly as you can because you can take advantage of that. You can buy while everybody else is panicking, and when the market bounces back, you're in pole position. For me, just so that my conscience is clear, my, my categoric advice to everybody is to get liquid as quickly as they can. Yeah, I think we're all in yeah. agreement on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty liquid. Um, I will be more than pretty liquid by the end of this weekend. More than pretty liquid. You're going to be more moist. pretty liquid. I'll moist. be fully liquid. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of getting liquid, I need to hire a, uh, a club manager. My club is a fucking mess. That that should definitely be a thing, like people selling their services to manage clubs. I guess there's a I'm trustworthy ready. part of that thing. I'm ready. You'll have to do some serious farming, though, to be able to <laughs> afford it. Free corn for a year. And mm. potatoes, you can play internet through them. Don't you, give cor- don't you give corn to chickens to fatten them up? I mean, have you, have you fucking seen Paul? What are you trying to say? Hey, I'm not the one who's got tits. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. This is for, for just... Well, I, mean, I have. We're in the very unfortunate position where people can, can see my camera and it just happens that I'm wearing a rather unflattering top, which makes it look like I've, uh, I've got a pair of 34Bs underneath there, which is not ideal. If, at best. At Were best. you wearing that top last week as well? No. All right. No, he was dressed up like a like a coach from Ted Lasso. Remember, he had the full Puma kit on. I won't be wearing it again either. I loved it. Just saying, let's let's stay on this um, just for a second. One more piece of incompetence. Apparently, this was known to several, and it was it was known to, amongst the pro community. Um, I was unaware of it until last week, but 
there was a glitch, and still is as of this recording, a glitch in the master switch. Steve, you were very familiar with this when I brought it to your attention. Can you explain exactly what was going, what was, and is currently going on with the master switch? Yeah, it's it's something that's that's not really new to people in the know. Um, although somebody made a YouTube video of it quite recently and claimed the credit for it, it was actually it was first uncovered by an Italian chap back in October. And he made a video and put that up on YouTube, but it never really caught fire because it's back to what Donk was saying last week, really, about, you know, certain little bubbles. What what happens in Italy often doesn't spread as as quickly and as virally as, as things that happen in the, the English speaking countries. And except for also COVID. except for COVID, yeah. Um and also I think that a lot of people felt that it would be pretty much irresponsible to make it public knowledge because what what it does fundamentally is it allows you to play in supposedly competitive modes those being rivals um, foot champs with assists on so you could turn on contextual agile dribbling you could turn on uh, assisted jockeying all kinds of things auto shots auto flare pass that that kind of thing and the reason why it's, it's kind of irresponsible to spread it around is that it's it's very very likely that this will get patched at some point and if if you suddenly get used to using assisted jockeying and all of a sudden you're thrown back to manual jockeying you're going to suffer massively so in that sense you know most people thought it's it's not a good idea to to spread this around too much really and it's this also unethical isn't it really you know people shouldn't really have this option when it's, uh, to most people's knowledge, it's, it's something that has to be turned off. Um, so yeah, bit of an odd one. It's, to me, it's, it's, it's something and it's nothing at the same time because I don't think that many people would have been using it accidentally. I would argue strongly that most of these assists are actually hindrances. And yeah, I, it's not a big deal to me, to be quite honest. Okay. So even if I went into the screen and made sure my master switch was on, that would ensure that I didn't have any assists, correct? Yes. Well, sticking with the gameplay, we've got quite a bit of uh, people talking about it, and I've experienced it myself, but I'm seeing more and more people trying to score kickoff goals aggressively by using certain dribbling tactics, um, trying to do fake shots, skill cancels, bridge dribbles, whatever. I do struggle with it at times. Sometimes it's okay. It seems like whenever I go to ground and just slide tackle, I come away better with it because I'll get a yellow card, but they won't score. But what's a better alternative to deal with this? I I don't think that slide tackling is the answer at all. I think it's far too precarious. You've got a very good chance of missing. And as soon as your player goes to ground, that's it. You're pretty much cooked. Uh, it's, It's very, very simple to defend these goals. Um, you basically ensure that on kickoff you're controlling one of your central midfielders. Um, I always select the most defensive of the two CMs, so for me it's Kante. And all you do is you just drop back, jockey, and mirror the movement of the attacker. You don't try and make a tackle. You don't move forwards aggressively. You just shadow everything that they do. And ideally you want to push them out wide, so you favour the centre of the pitch show them wide 
And there will come a point where either they will have to pass the ball because they'll be running into a blind alley, or as long as you keep close enough, um, the AI will will make an auto tackle and you'll win the ball. The thing that you want to avoid when you are dealing with these kickoff merchants is player switching. That is where everybody goes wrong. You want to be taking control of your central midfielder. You want to be using your central midfielder to defend the entire move. Don't switch away from him. Make sure they're in position. Shadow them and you'll be absolutely fine. You won't concede them. So don't slide tackle. If if you slide tackle and you miss, you're you're making yourself a complete hostage to fortune. If if you can't play a switch to another player quickly enough and accurately enough to to get across and and apply the pressure to contain the runner, then you you're fucked. No, don't do it. Um, I underline it again. Switch to your centre mid. Only control your centre mid. Sounds good. Do we understand that, boys and girls? Fuck you. Well, that your centre mid, Steve. Hang on a minute. I'll I'll, I'll draw a picture. <laughs> I'm going to mute Steve. Paul, go ahead. Um, can we just clarify your centre mid and slide tackle sometimes or not at all? Always. Right. Yeah. I've got it now. But yeah, I've noticed it a little bit recently. People just grabbing Mbappe and just setting off down the middle trying to... Um, Trying to come at you, and it's just annoying. So I've gotten to the point where I don't even fear Mbappe anymore. It's that goddamn flashback Benzema. The card does weird things, man. Everybody's got one. The real-life player does weird things as well. Mm. Especially with hypermotion. Matteo Valbuena. Matt, are you seeing these kickoff goals? Yeah, yeah. It's It's been around for, for most of this year. Um, I... I tend to say it's mostly players who aren't the most proficient at the game in general who try to do it, but that doesn't make it less effective. But everything Steve just said is, is absolutely bang on. Um, and his method for, for dealing with them, which is essentially you grab your, your midfielder and between your midfielder and your back line, you basically just crowd them out until they either give you back the ball or they have to go backwards or sideways. And that stops the kickoff goal from occurring. I think that's generally a good way to defend in in almost every instance anyway. The the more aggressive you are and the more switchy you are with your players, the more vulnerable you become in general. So this isn't just a a tip for defending this. This is a tip for defending any pacey sort of tricky forward in almost all situations. This is the right way to defend and, and this just applies brilliantly to this particular situation that we're talking about as well. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Matt, you wanted to talk about something this week with tactical possession. Mm. What was it that you've been uh, experimenting with and using that you found success with? Right. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up is that I missed the pod two weeks ago where you guys were talking, uh, I think it was with Dylan, about different play styles to fit certain opponents. And sometimes you can get yourself into a stalemate and you have to adapt, try different things. There's also a sort of long-running theme, I think, in an ultimate team, particularly when you start playing at a reasonably high competitive level, whereby you're either going to encounter someone who's just outright better at the game than you, or their team is certainly very significantly better than yours. And at that point, you have to ask yourself an honest question. Do you want to be the aggressor in that match? Basically, it means that you'll have 
or attempt to have more of the ball at possession that potentially leave yourself open to counters? Or do you want to be the passive player and be the counter-attacking team? And what I'm getting at is that generally my play style falls into the possession style, but it does leave me very vulnerable to quick, skillful counter-attacking teams. And as per the conversation you had with Dylan, it made me think about why do I sort of offer myself on a plate to these type of teams whereby they can more effectively score against me than I can against them? Because if you're playing the possession game and if you can't finish the majority of your moves off, you you leave the other team with significantly more chances than you're going to get to score goals, in my opinion. So the idea that I wanted to run by you guys is... Generally, why would you even attempt to attack unless there's a situation in your favour? There's this weird sort of mentality in, in ultimate team players whereby it's deemed to be negative to score certain types of goals like crosses or cutbacks, that kind of thing. Everyone just wants to play balls to the wall, high-speed attacking play where they just want to get the ball forward as quickly as possible and score as few as passes as possible. Whereas I've actually, when I'm playing to win, so we're talking like weekend league, that kind of thing, I'm more than happy to pass the ball around in my half until that guy starts to press me with enough players whereby I have a numeral advantage going into their half of the pitch. Gives me way more opportunities to score. But uh, that would be considered shithouse tactics, no doubt, by the majority in the community. But it's something that I've had to sort of adapt to and come to terms with in order to remain competitive. What do you guys think? I think it's 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 unfortunate that because you're being the in my opinion the aggressor in possessing the ball trying to work a good opportunity and if you don't finish which it's I mean it's it's easy to finish some situations in this game but it's also difficult to score what should be an easy chance um it's so easy for people to just message you after a game or, or people on, on the social media to just rail against you and saying, you're a possession whore, you're a sweat, you know, you're, you're a rat and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, how is it any better to sit back for 90 minutes, absorb, 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 play two driven passes and one pinged lob through ball to Benzema and Mbappe and hit it on the volley and score? I mean, to me, they're one and the same. Say what you want, but I don't see them any different. I just see as one's passive and one's the aggressor. I don't know what, what Steve and Paul would say about it. I think that they go hand in hand, don't they, really? I think that one invites the other. You you tend to get square pegs going into square holes. So if somebody is sitting back and, and soaking it up, they're, they're basically inviting somebody to, to play a possession style against them. People will know, especially people that I've coached, that I, I bang on ad infinitum about possession. Possession is, is critical to, to any sport, especially football. It's, and it's the old Brian Clough quote that you've heard me troll out a million times before. They can't score when we've got the ball. You know, it, it's fundamental. In American football, our American listeners will be very familiar with the, the coaching adage that says that every possession should end in a kick. And it's very much the case with with soccer as well, with football, you, you should re- every possession should end with a goal-scoring opportunity. That's what you want to be aiming at. And if that requires possession, so be it. And, you know, what, what Matt's saying about creating the, the numerical advantage, there's nothing ratty about it. It's just good, solid footballing sense, you know. Um, 
in the in the Foot Academy Patreon at the moment. I think we've all been using it to some extent. Actually, we've got the uh, how to play the Atalanta way, and something that a lot of of modern managers do these days is they have ball playing centre backs that will actually advance play, and that will draw out a midfielder from the opposition to come and mark them, and that creates extra space in midfield for for other players. So you know it's it's very much a a tactic in modern football. There's no reason at all why people shouldn't do it in foot. And uh, if the other player isn't good enough to get the ball from you, then uh, that's not your problem. And if you if you care about what people are saying when they're sending you messages, you know, I mean, get a grip, man. Paul cares. When I know when I play really badly, it's usually because I get pulled into what resembles a basketball game mm. where it's up and down and I've I think I've been a lot better at this FIFA in not getting sort of drawn into that type of game and when I'm playing really good FIFA it is slow possession creating good chances and finishing most attacks with a, a shot on target or a goal um, and it is really hard when you're playing that. When I fa- well, for me, when I'm playing that sort of fast-paced up and down, I'm sprinting a lot, and I've learned that when you're sprinting a lot, you're not playing good FIFA. Um, you know, take big touches. It took me a long time to realise that pressing that sprint button screws you up defensively and and attacking. And it's, um, I think for me, being the biggest thing that I've learned in the last year that's improved my game not sprinting well this like you said this kind of creates the the perfect storm for what a lot of people would consider an unentertaining football simulator is like you said steve when you have one person who's happy to sit back one person who's happy to possess this is a bad combination in my opinion for enjoyment of fifa yeah because it's it's boring but it's very very realistic when you see a really good team play an inferior squad what do they do they, they put 11 behind the line and they defend for their life and they go on a counter. I mean, Leicester City. Leicester. Where's Leicester? Leicester. Now it's Leicester. Right next God's to Leicester. Yes. How the fuck do you say it, Steve? Leicester. Leicester. Birmingham. Leicester City yeah. won the Premier League doing just that, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> what? I, but, don't know what the, I don't know what they're laughing at. Yeah, they did. Exactly. They, they, I don't either. They, they soaked up the pressure, got it out to Riyad Mahrez, pinged it up to Jamie Vardy. Thank you very much. That was it. This is the, the the funny conundrum, though, with the way that people set their stalls out in FIFA. The teams who sit back still tend to go for pace at the back, which they don't need because they're dropping back all the time. If you yeah. actually drop back as a matter of course, you should go for the biggest, burliest, high defensive stat players you can get. Like Harry Maguire would be a fucking hard person to get past in drop back if you you can defend in an organised way. Sergio Ramos, another very good one. And then if you've got players who have both, so Van Dijk, who's a little bit pacey, but mega defensive stats, they're all better than the type of cheesy, fast centre-backs that most people go for because they're not playing their defensive line high up the pitch like the aggressive players tend to do. Do you see what I mean? It's the perfect opportunity there, Matt, to clear up a massive misconception about FIFA tactics. And it's the idea that drop back dictates how deep your offense, your defense is going to drop when, when you are under attack. 
what dropback does fundamentally is when your players are dealing with a counterattack, they will drop back so that there's a cushion between them and the attacker. So they'll stand off by about five or six yards and give themselves a cushion. And that ties in exactly with what you're saying, Matt, because it, it negates the need for speed. You know, they're, they're giving themselves that cushion so that they don't have yeah, to be Yeah, they're not playing offside traps, basically. Exactly, yeah. They're not, they're not tight on the attackers. Um, and it's, it's such a, such a widely held misbelief that, you know, it's, it's about sitting deep in your penalty area. It's not, it's, it's about the gap that your defenders will leave between themselves and the attackers when they're backpedaling. And if you pay attention to it, you'll see it in any game if you do use drop back. Yeah, Matt, you made a good point in when you say if you can defend in an organized way, you don't need the fastest players at the back. Now, I know on the face of the card, that Christensen card from Chelsea, his team of the group stage card says 80, but his acceleration is awful. And I did an experiment and just tried Sentinel on him with no speed upgrades. And he's fucking phenomenal because the one thing I felt he lacked was physicality, which he got that in the Sentinel card. And he's been very good for me playing the center center back in a three, five, two. So it's like you say, if you can defend in an organized way properly, you don't need pace at the back, but if you can get both, that's perfection, obviously. Sure. If you, one complements the other. Yeah. If you're being the counter attacking team, and you do play a, a deeper line rather than push aggressively at the field. You don't have to go for pace. You need more defensive stats. You need players with a bigger physical presence to basically take up more space in the box to stop people from dribbling and skilling around you or glitching through your players. You need those type of defenders that when they tackle, the ball stays tackled. They don't just let you pass through them because they're quick but wafer thin, essentially speaking. And the- Teams are going to play to their strengths anyway. I mean, and again, it's, it's realistic. Let's say if you had, I don't know off the top of my head, if you had some sort of FA Cup match where you've got somebody like uh, Norwich City playing a, a, a non-league team like, I don't know, Gloucester or somebody. Obviously, Gloucester are going to sit back and try and soak up the pressure and catch Norwich on the counter uh, check. Just stands to reason. Yeah. This brings obvious. up a, another obvious issue with the way that we handle competitive play in, in FIFA, though, is that pronounced Norwich. teams set up before the match having a good idea of who they're playing against, which we don't do in competitive FIFA, right? Everyone just sets up generically, so oh, I want pace at the back, I want pace all over the pitch, blah, 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 blah. If you know who you're playing against, you can design a starting 11 accordingly, which we don't get. And it would be nice if in future iterations of FIFA, there was a more organised competitive mode where you would perhaps get to see the starting eleven, a team that you know you're going to play against as you say in the last five games or something. And you can see, okay, this go, goes for raw pace up front. He plays Werner or whoever. Werner. So you need to either have pacey defenders or, or sit back and absorb the pressure, so to speak. I think that would be an interesting take. Is there any reason really why you shouldn't be able to do that? I mean, it's it's employed terribly, but in squad battles, it shows you your opponent's tactics, mentality, and what have you. If it was a game of football, you know, there'd be scouting reports and you'd you'd have this information on the opponent you're going to play. So as a football simulator, surely there's room for that sort of thing, that you should be equipped with that sort of information before you go into the game. The game gave you 30 seconds to pick a squad based off the information that 
you get in squad battles, for example, like the the most recently used tactics or what their best players are, et cetera, et cetera. At least that gives you an idea of how to best prep for your opposition, not just blindly go into every match with the same team. You get what I mean? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, you mentioned scouting reports on your opponents. We did get an announcement today from EA that, surprise, surprise, shocker to everyone, they have identified an issue in matchmaking that was causing players to have significantly longer wait times than wait. usual to find a game. Hang on a minute. There was there was an issue in matchmaking. I know. It, I didn't even know about it. But apparently there was an issue Who knew? in matchmaking. Um, it's not like, you know, the Footballers podcast was talking about it for weeks and weeks and everybody else in the foot community was screaming it from the rooftops. Mm. But they have... The important thing is, have they fixed it? They have it? gone out of their way and looked at this and... and fixed it for us because they found it Wow! and um, they made the changes amazing and supposedly they made the changes as of two days ago there's been two changes made in the uh, past couple of days um, to matchmaking that are actually already live Um, and I'll quickly go through them now so the first um, was really more of a fix than a change Um, we identified that the matchmaking system that all of our game modes run off of was not properly scaling in relation to player population. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Um, and so this was resulting in reduced matchmaking success for some players. Um, that fix went live. I want to say it was late last week. Um, and since that happened, we're seeing significantly increased success across the board in, in basically every mode. So there you go. Soft patch confirmed. Um, apparently the issue was something to do with scaling, whatever that means. Um, I would take that as maybe it wasn't properly looking in the region of where you were located. Maybe it might've been looking somewhere else. Like say, I don't know, for example, if you lived in England, you might end up playing on the, oh, I don't know, the Netherlands or the German servers and foot champs. Imagine. Um, or, you know, likewise in the United States, you could end up playing in fucking Mexico City that's a thousand miles away you know just <laughs> that's ridiculous it would never happen just an example though I mean that's just the extreme though sorry for the sarcasm it's fucking aggravating Paul are you excited about this change yeah because I don't have a- how's it going to change the market <laughs> I don't have <laughs> people might be able to use cards now more than three games in a four hour period but it's good for me because I don't get a lot of time and spending two or three minutes searching for a game is not it doesn't seem a long time but it's it soon adds up just makes the gameplay experience not as smooth as it should be yeah it's just classic man People have been screaming about the issue and they won't acknowledge it. And all of a sudden they have discovered the issue and, and they fixed it for us. So nice people. I'm just glad they fixed it, to be honest with you, though. Let's move on here. Let's, uh, we'll get into hot takes and community questions. First thing I want to talk about is Jason from the Discord says, chemistry styles should be free. Just nerf the pace ones completely and let us fight amongst ourselves. Can't be ass sniping shadow cards right now. And Tubblemeister carried on and said, yes, we shouldn't have contracts either. Should just let us decide work rates too. I'm all about letting us decide work rates and I'm all about contracts going away. Personally, I think chemistry styles in general should go away completely. That's just me though. I don't know what you guys' take on it is. We'll start with you, Matt. Uh, I'm not a big fan of chemistry styles. I've gone on record 
numerous times and expose myself for being a complete fucking idiot that I don't believe they do anything, quite frankly. And I know Steve's <laughs> got video proof that will prove me wrong. I, I still don't feel the difference when I apply chemistry calls. I still do it because I, 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 I would like to be wrong about it. So I apply them the same way everyone else does. Matt still has Kim Gate PTSD. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I, don't, I don't value chemistry cars much. I don't, I don't buy them. If I've got them in my club, I use them. But I don't. I w- wouldn't ever go on the market to buy a chemistry cars, especially at like five k. And something uh, tells me Paul is not going to be a fan of getting rid of these consumables. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get rid of them. Keep them. They add Why? value to your packs. What if you could get players in your packs? Instead, no, they're not going to give you extra players. They're just going to take make packs smaller. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think although I don't think chemistry styles do very much, I don't mind getting a shadow or a hunter in my pack, giving me an extra five k here and there, and you know these things all add up over the year, coin wise. If you're selling them, yeah, but I mean, if you took them off the market, all those coins would essentially be taken off with them, and that would flow into player prices, and it would all balance itself out, would it not? Yeah, good point, Hunter. <laughs> so it's like it's like removing the mental masturbation portion of trading. You can you can use logic to prove anything. Isn't that what? Never mind. I forgot. This is EA FIFA. What do you think, Steve? I think it's the thin end of the wedge, especially deciding players' work rates. I mean, where do you draw the line? Are we going to allow people to start making Dries Mertens eight feet tall? No, not in favour of it. Chem styles, I, I could live without them, to be honest with you. Um, I, I like the authenticity of the game and anything that takes us away from that, I'm not a fan of. So let's have reasonably accurate work rates. Let's have reasonably accurate representations of the player's stats and let's not deviate too far from that. Yeah. I mean, as you've you've stated that in your previous um, Foot Academy video about work rates, but they're way more important than people understand. And I I do think it's a critical part of how the players move on the pitch. And like without work rates, if they were to just remove work rates entirely, I don't think you would have the same game. I think it would be dull. You would see a lot of people attacking the same way. You wouldn't have any much creativity in your attacks. Um, I do like the idea of of instructions. Maybe you, it could add more instructions in the tactics. You know, different different things. Like in in this formation, stay back as long as this many people are forward. Vice versa. Maybe you could a little bit more creativity. Which I know that requires logic and coding. And uh, yeah, FIFA Metalhead has a, a podcast question that's uh, in the holiday spirit. What is the one thing you would add to foot if you could actually get EA to listen to the community for once? Happy holidays. Well, happy holidays to you too, FIFA Metalhead. Um, I would like to be able to customize your formation. As in, instead of a 4-2-3-1, you could make it to where you could drop that center cam further deep into the midfield and play a custom look formation just to make it a little bit different, a little more spicy. Steve, what do you think? I'd like to see a live content team that aren't a complete bunch of fucking Muppets. Matt, what would you like to add? Uh, hmm. Let's say uh, an overhaul of how informs work because you're not inform if you have one good game, which is how the inform system works. It should be based off a number of games. So they do their weekly promos where they make up any old cars that they want. The informs should have to play well a certain number of games in a row and then the boosted rewards on those cards should be much greater to make them more relevant. That's what I would like. You mean like headliners? <laughs> like headline? Well, maybe, yeah. But that would be every week, I guess. Mm. 
I'm just being a dick. I'm sorry. You do it well, hon, so you do it well. Team of the week is fucking dead. It, it's been dead for years. It needs a change. That needs a whole revamp. We've been down that road. Um, I don't think anybody would disagree. But Paul, what would you add? Cross-platform. So PlayStation, Xbox, one market all together in one big happy family. Oh, that's really nice. As if. All right. Next one. Aventus says, how important are the links in the game plan? The variety of colors signify the quality of connection between players in theory. Does the reality support the theory at game time? I think what he's getting at are the difference between, a, you know, an orange link, a green link, a red link, etc. Now, there's two types of green links. Am I right? There's strong link and hyperlink. The hyperlink would be same nation, same team, same league. Uh, strong link is same nation, same league. And a yellow would be like same nation or same league only. And red means I don't like that motherfucker. I'm not going to play good for you while I'm next to him. But even if you have a red link, as long as he's on 10 with a hyperlink to another player, he's fine. So if everybody's on 10 and you got a few reds, don't worry about it. It's fine. I've been doing this for years and it works. That's my take. Steve? I, I second that emotion. Wait, you agree with me? Yes. Somebody write that down. I think some people do get confused. I know one specific guy who who I know, and he likes to play guys who play well together in real life and like play for the same club, same country, that hyperlink. He thinks that makes a difference, but he is you know, casual. So I wonder how many other people actually think that... That's the thing. Oh, these two guys play really well together for the country. This must mean they'll, uh, you know, they'll do really well in faith for me. People do get hung up about having as many green links in their team as possible because it looks nice. The same way no one likes to have a team of gold cards anymore. They all want a team of special cards. It's just a, an aesthetically pleasing thing. But if you play um, foot draft, where you'll rarely ever get a team of complete orange links, never mind green links, and you'll start to see and experience and understand better how your team performs with imperfect links and they're still pretty viable. I mean, what it ultimately means is if you don't have a 10 rating, you're not getting the full benefit of your chemistry card to link back to what we were just talking about. But as long as your team chemistry is good, the team will play well. But yeah, it's what, uh, foot draft will, will definitely put you in your place on that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd just like to point out that not only uh, can Emma McKeon swim faster than a shark it's also true that if you played Karim Benzema next to Matteo Valbuena in game there would be an orange chemistry link between them phenomenal correct professionals it's a hell of an observation it's not a black link yeah that's why that's why I'm here Matt you said that the green links are aesthetically pleasing I have to hard disagree. Have you ever played a game of FIFA against an opponent who had green pitch lines? Oh, yeah. That, that's super annoying. But I'm not saying it's something that I do. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. But I know for a fact that people get very anal attentive over having as many green links. They definitely don't want any red links in their in their team whatsoever. Um, people get overly hung up on having strong chemistry all over the place. And you know, the idea of playing an LM as a CM on seven chem just blows their mind sort of thing. Whereas 
at some point you, you, you're probably going to have to to be able to get your best 11 players on the pitch uh, for the most effective outcome. It's just something that you you try, you learn and adapt over the course of the year. And eventually you'll give in to the temptation of playing everyone in their intended positions or, or linking them perfectly together. You just, to get as many good players on the pitch, you've just got to mess it up a little bit, but retain that team chemistry where possible. Anal retentive. That would have been a good segue for the Balboina bit, just saying. Um, <laughs> last question. Westy. God. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Westy asks, is it just me or do some people refuse to use certain players in game due to who they play for? For example, I refuse to play any Spurs players. I just can't bring myself to use them. I feel dirty. I know for a fact that one of our community managers, Pompel in the Discord, will absolutely refuse to play a City player. Are you biased in any way towards your foot players? Well, I am, yeah, but I've also been a Sunderland fan for that long that I could probably find reason to harbour a grudge against every single football team in the league. So it would reduce me to just using Sunderland players. And that, dear listener, is not a recipe for success. If Pompel packed Freeze Jesus, he would use him. He would sell him, man. But yeah, I don't think he fortunately, would. Fortunately, mm, for myself, I'm fortunate that Scruffy Leeds don't have many decent players, so I don't have to make that decision. But I probably would not use a Leeds United player. If, Hang on, if Leeds are Scruffy, what are Bradford? Not as Scruffy as Leeds. You heard that there's a an American takeover of Bradford being planned at the moment, so you guys are going to be in the Prem in the next five years. Mm. There we go. Some crypto business are, are buying you out. And it'll be pronounced Bradford Society. <laughs> Sounds right to me. So, oh, we're playing Leicestershire City, so we're in Premier League. Premier League. Yeah. Matt, I know you're... You would love to to start a full eleven of Stoke players, but you probably wouldn't win any games. You wouldn't enjoy it very much. When when Stoke were in the Prem, I always had a full Stoke team just to you know hurt myself with occasionally. And it's amazing how much you try harder when you're using a team like that. You play so much better. Not necessarily get better results, but yeah, the try hard factor definitely comes out. I don't have any bias against certain teams or yeah, don't have bias against certain teams, but I because I'm all about the map meta, there's certain players that I, I try to avoid using because it's boring. So Werner is an example. I only used him for the first time today in a foot draft and I couldn't believe how good he was. But generally I would never put him in my, one of my main competitive teams But because it's just cheesy, it's boring, it's been done to death. But You say it's I, boring. <clears throat> but I just so happen to have six Chelsea players in my starting eleven. And I'm having the more fun now than I have all year playing foot. There's something rewarding when you, you have because I can't think of six Chelsea players worth using in this game. You can't. No, really. Six Chelsea players. Yeah, ah, some decent Chelsea cards. Kante. Out there, to be yeah. Fair. Who so else? Kante, Fire Pulisic. Okay. Who is literally fire? That's He's a brand beast. new. So okay. Still a Chelsea player. Okay. And. There's Rudiger, who's still very solid. Reese James in form, the 84. Solid. Not the best, but solid. Nah. 
I think Mindy, the goalkeeper from Chelsea, I think he's one of the best in the game, hands down. Best in the game. He's tall, he's quick, he makes ridiculous saves. And I'm using Christian's signature signings. Yeah. Signature signings version is solid. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's, he's better than any goalkeeper in the game. Know. I'm putting it out there. I'll give I'll give you two. Everybody two go them. buy him and bid him up. I'll give you Pulisic and Kante. The rest the the big Head, headliners Rudiger is arguably the best centre-back in the entire database. Have you got leaks, Steve? Um, not that I'm aware of. No, I can hear something, but at least, no. <laughs> what? I think so. Headliners come in in three weeks, I think. But ah. if Rudiger's in there, you know something we don't. Well, rule breakers, Rudiger, whatever the fuck it is, oh, I don't know. The one that I've been using for the last three weeks that wins absolutely everything. I, I, I haven't got a clue what half of these promo cards are, you know. I, I just, if they're good, I whack them in my team and that's it. What is it? Was it Rule Breakers? It's Rule Breakers, wasn't it? Rule Breakers, I think, yeah. yeah. Damn good card, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. They've made the names of these promos quite confusing this year, whether it's signature signings and winter wonderland wildcards. That would have or... been a better name. I'm surprised that we didn't have... Rule breaking, rule breakers. Really, yeah. I'm thinking we're going to have wet water next. That that'll be an interesting leak. We're basically, going to start copying the names of um, of Pokemon Honest. games for uh, the promos. <laughs> you know, red and blue, golden orange, sapphire this and pearl moon this and blah blah blah. I need to go. Paul's got to go. Me too. I got to go too. Fuck this. Yeah, Let's fuck wrap you. this baby up, shall we? Steve, where can they follow you on the social media? Follow me on social media at the Butt Coach. And if you are an optimist, also follow me on twitch.tv forward slash the Butt Coach. That ship has sailed. Matt, where can they follow you on social? At Lambo Matt with one two. Paul? Twitch and Twitter, right foot, R-I-G-H-T-F-U-T. Thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at The Foot Hunter. You can follow the show on Twitter at Footballers Pod, Footballers with a Z. You can follow the show on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Footballers Pod. Thank you all for tuning in this week. We'll be back next week with brand new content from Winter Wonderland Wonder Stars. Catch you then. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.